Today is October 23rd. We are two weeks away from the official beginning of the offseason. What starting pitcher do you want the Pirates to sign? We're probably going to talk about him this week. You're listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Yins guys, thank you for listening to the Bridge to Bucktober podcast where we talk all about them Pittsburgh Pirates and that. My name is Josh and I'm joined as always by my brother, Jake. What is up, Jake? Not much, man. Not much. A little bit of a flow. Uh, Mess up. There. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. Yeah. How you doing, man? Oh, you know. Got a little chilly down here. Oh, jeez. Starting to warm back up a little bit. I bet. I bet it is. Dude, I woke up the one day, it was like 49 outside. What okay. The heck? Well, all right. I, that's fair. I moved fair. out of that. I moved out of that. Yeah, that that's chilly. I'll give you that. I didn't say, I didn't say it got cold. So yeah. It got chilly. Yep. Okay. And and I'm, I'm, I just want to tell you, it's a little different down here. It's humid all year round. And when it drops below 60... And it's humid. Feels like it's freezing because it's like cold. It's like a wet cold. It's not just. It's weird. Okay. It's weird. Hmm. Dude, these this postseason is wild. It looked like this the yes. championship series was just about to be straight through, and then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. both even it back up. The Astros double down by going up again. Well, I mean, I mean, if the trend continues, the Rangers are going to the World Series. Right. All the home teams have won the game <laughs> on that side. On the other side, it was a little bit different there for a minute. Yeah, yeah. So. All the away teams have won it. I'm, I'm sorry. In the yes. American League, all yes. the away teams. In the National League, it was all the home teams until Philly got a hold of the, of, of the third game in Arizona. Mm-hmm to win for the away one. Yeah, you're right. So the away teams. Um, I knew I was going to get that wrong if I, if we talked about it. So even that one, like the two, one was a walk off. The other one was the eighth inning, right? Oh yeah. I mean, it was, it's yeah. yeah, They comebacks at the end. I mean, the Phillies been in charge of most of these games most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I tell you what, I give credit to the young guys in Arizona. They're, they're, they're fighting. They ain't going down without their, they're not laying over. I'll say that. They went down 2 nothing. They easily could have just been like, well, good year, boys. Yeah, and the <laughs> thing is, is, right, once again, get hot, uh, get in, see what happens. You know what I'm saying? Those sort of things. Mm-hmm. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and he was like, man, I mean, I've been trying to keep up with baseball for the last couple of years, but I didn't know anyone on this Arizona team. <laughs> and I said, well, that <laughs> makes sense because they're all young. Like you're talking yeah. about Corbin Carroll is this year. That's it. Mm-hmm. And he's their guy. Cattell Marte's yeah. been there for a long time, but just needed some people. He's a supporting guy. Now he can be big time when around other guys, you know what I'm saying? But he can't I'm be still, a guy carrying a team. Right. And I'm still blown away by the trade they pulled off with the Blue Jays. I just absolutely we talked about it on our show <laughs> back when it happened, and I was like, I can't believe that this is real. Right. You had Gary Varsho's kid going to Toronto, and then Arizona gets two guys. Yeah. Then I'm like, okay, Guriel's a good player. But mm. Moreno, like I thought Moreno was the guy they were never going to trade. Yeah. That they you were going to have to get Kirk or Jansen. And no. And he's already and he's already shown up in big ways this postseason. Yeah, and he wasn't as good all the way through the season, right? But the good players, when the stage is big, he's going to be very good. Mm-hmm. Just because his first season, his first you know full season, wasn't stellar, you now get to see he's he's the real deal, man. Yeah, one hundred percent. That's why even with Davis and and Endy, I was like, can we get this kid? You know what I mean? Like I was like, <laughs> right. we could, but right. I didn't think we could. So I was saying, let's go after one of the other guys instead of Hedges. I wanted to get Kirk or Jansen. You know what I'm saying? 
Um, mm-hmm. So, but Moreno's the real deal. I got receipts. I've been on this guy. Don't know if you heard that scream, but <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> um, that's fun. So, uh, tonight we have what game six, uh, Rangers Astros. Yeah. We're recording this before the game, so we do not know what happened Sunday night in that one. But we've got plenty to talk about, and it doesn't have to do with the post. I mean, I guess some of it does, but <laughs> in a roundabout way. Right. Yeah. Last week was a very general baseball discussion. It was a lot of fun too. Uh, this week is pretty pirate centric. Um, we're going to talk Gold Glove, obviously, because that was announced this week, and then basically starting pitching the rest of the way, right? And in all ways possible, we're going to talk starting pitching. Um, before we get into the Gold Glove stuff, let's do a little house cleaning. Uh, we didn't mention this before, but I think some people would be interested to know as we get into the off season. Um, Chris Owings, Chase DeYoung, Dwayne Underwood Jr. at one point or another this month have all elected free agency from minor leagues, so they're gone. I mean, I don't say it like that, like I'm excited about it. <laughs> but they're okay. gone. They're gone. So, I mean, that doesn't say that they can't re-sign them to minor league deals and invite them to spring and whatever else, but right. uh, for the officialness of it, they're gone for now. All right, let's get into gold glove stuff here because Key Brian Hayes again, and uh, do you have a duh? You want to say duh? Um, he's added to the – he's included in is – is that how you say it? He's included in the finalists. Um, yeah. He's a finalist. He's in the top three, basically. Yeah. For third yeah, base – they, they already know who wins. Yeah, we were talking about that. We were like, I don't exactly know because you cannot find anywhere exactly how the voting works, but I would assume the voting's already done on this. They're just telling you who finished in the top three. Yeah. They're not, because there was some question about that when it comes to the guy who's not on the list. Um, Along with Key is Ryan McMahon, who is another guy who will perennially be on this list. And Mm -hmm. then Austin Riley. Which is a surprise. Not I didn't say Nolan Arenado. I didn't say Manny Machado. I said right. Nol Austin Rileyo. I just had to finish it with an O. Okay. Uh Nolan Arenado left off the ballot this year for the first time in his career. He's not gonna win a gold glove. Um now bittersweet. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead with that thought. Bittersweet. It's bittersweet because I mean if Key wins it, if if he did win the Gold Glove this year, it'd be nice for him to finish one and Arenado two, just to say he officially dethroned Arenado. Like like it should have been now last got, year. But yes, yes, like it should have been last year. Except for now, you're gonna have three guys that are basically dethroning yeah. Arenado. Right. Yeah, and but it makes way, it look like, like well, Arenado started to lose it a little bit. No. First off, Arenado had dead arm for part of the year. It -hmm. did impact most of his game. Not only that, but you have to admit, you have to admit that, like, he's not... When you're losing that many games and you didn't expect to, that had to play some in it a little bit. Oh, yeah. You would think. Mm Mm-hmm. We're all human. Uh, Key is one of the deserving finalists this year, I'll say that. 21 defensive runs saved. Best of this group, only second to Tatis Jr.'s 29 in right field this season. You talk about a guy who said, I'll go ahead and move off of shortstop and then went out and is now like the league's best right fielder. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all knew he had the athleticism, but it's also like shortstops a lot of times are saying, no, I'm the shortstop. You can't move me off shortstop, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we have a guy like that (laughs) who is very like, don't want to move. Um, and so I, I get it, but like he owned up to it, went out there and just said, I'll just do my best out here. And that's what he's Mm -hmm. done. Um, also Andres Jimenez in Cleveland at second base had 23. That's the American league. So that's why I said that key was second, but we go by leagues here. So, um, anyway, the next third baseman on that list is Ryan McMahon at 17. He had more putouts and assists and a higher UZR then, then Hayes, uh, his his uh, range above average was also higher than Keys, and it was five point four to one point eight. So, like, there's some numbers where Ryan McMahon could feel like he's there, 
Now, mm-hmm. Hayes has the leg up in outs above average, 17 to 11. Machado also shows up a lot on these lists, um, but he only played 105 games at third base this season, so I think that probably played. Um, if you're old school, he had the top fielding percentage, um, six errors, the least amount of qualified guys. He had only had six errors. Uh, McMahon had double that with 12 errors. Um, he only had one fielding error this season. McMahon had four, Riley had seven, and Key's five throwing errors is kind of middle of the pack. McMahon had eight. And, you know what I mean, sometimes I think that when you say, like, who's, you know, throwing the ball, like anything can happen. There's times you're rushed. There's a fast runner. There's just a ball in the dirt that the first baseman doesn't scoop. There's all these things that can happen when you throw. But, like, if you're fielding the ball consistently, like that's to me – is the most impressive because I feel like throwing errors will happen. Fielding errors will too, but like when you only have one fielding error at third, when you're getting rockets all the time. Now, maybe part of that (laughs) is the fact that they call everything a hit, Uh, but even if it was, they're calling everything a hit when McMahon's playing too and he doubled his errors, right? Right. Once again, everything's not about errors. Um. It feels weird to say finally because he hasn't been in the league for 80 years or anything, but does Key Brian Hayes win his first gold glove this year? I think so. Yeah. Good. No, I mean, just... I, I, I see where McMahon has a shot, but one? One fielding error? And like you said, it's not everything. Yeah, and the outs above average are there, right? The The defensive run saved are there. You know, there's just some other numbers that favor McMahon just to say he he does have more things, some things that are more, you know what I mean? So, like, there's a mm-hmm. little bit of a case there for him. I think right. it's keys as well. Um, and I think it should have been last year. So, uh, you know, I think maybe some of the voters, because of the way that they vote, where it's Aaron Auto every year just because it's Aaron Auto every year, I don't, I think it's less. Uh, and we made a big deal about the hitting last year. And I think as I thought about it a little bit more, it might be less offense and more just reputation. Yeah. You know what I mean? I made the I made the argument last year about Omar Vizquel winning in 04 over Jack Wilson when Jack Wilson had a stellar year and Omar Vizquel basically didn't. But it was the reputation that won it for him. And he, I mean, it wasn't the hitting, you know what I mean? So <laughs> right. same, same thing here. Um, I think maybe the reputation and maybe Key has built a little bit of a reputation over Ryan McMahon to where if it is close, the people will just vote for Key. I don't know. But if it's going to hurt us, then we may as well take advantage of it. Uh, Side note, before we move on to basically the bulk of this conversation here today, uh, Carlos Santana also up for first base. So uh, we'll see. I mean, your name's on that too, right? right? Right. Your name's on that too. All right, let's get into starting pitching, the big, big discussion today because um, it's multi-layered for me. Uh, we've been talking about guys that are um, guys that are potential targets for the Pirates this offseason. And I think everyone that I listen to is saying, starting pitching, starting pitching. Um, but I want to dive into this a little bit because I've heard the names of starting pitchers that a lot of pirate fans are talking about. And I haven't heard as much as I should have. I haven't heard Jordan Montgomery, Aaron Nola, or Sonny Gray as much as I thought I was going to. Or even Blake Snell. Obviously, uh, a couple weeks ago, we were we did uh, the stuff with the 412 double play. I tried to move my hat there, for those of you on video, and I don't have a hat on today. Just realized I didn't. I got a couple over here if it starts to bug me too much. But anyway... Um, Ed Wassel from four, one, two, double play. He, he called out Sonny Gray and I was like, yeah, I'm, I like it. And I've heard Jordan Montgomery more than once. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I've heard some people talk about Jordan Montgomery. I have not heard anyone talk about Aaron Nola other than myself. And I don't even, I haven't even had a chance to convince people that Blake Snell is not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> And maybe because Blake Snell's on his way to a Cy Young and they assume we're never going to play in that market. Right. And that could be fair. However, Jordan Montgomery, a guy who's kind of been traded a couple times, he was traded, you know, from the Yankees for 
Harrison Bader. And I'm thinking, how much do you really love him? If the Cardinals are giving up on Harrison Bader, it felt like the Yankees were giving up on Jordan Montgomery. Montgomery was good. He got traded to the Rangers. It felt like this is a guy that maybe could have had an option or could have had a, a possibility to fall into your lap with him not being the best lefty out there and all these things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the postseason started. Sonny Gray had one good, one bad. Aaron Nola and Jordan Montgomery have been dealing this postseason and more than likely pitched their way out of the price range of the Pirates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they've been on point. They've been on their game every time they step on them out in this postseason. It's been good. Jordan Montgomery's fielding his position really well, too. Yes. Good call there. Yep. Yeah, so let's spend a couple minutes on these guys here, these three guys, before we move on, because we do think, you know, there's there's still a chance here of mm-hmm. of, of what we think can happen. Um, Sonny Gray and Aaron Nola are going to get a qualifying offer. They'll most likely decline that offer. Who the heck cares, right? Well, under the qualifying offer rules, revenue-sharing recipients, which includes the Pirates, we are recipients of revenue-sharing, will lose their third-highest selection in the 24 draft if they sign a player who rejected a qualifying offer. According to Ethan's tweet, uh, who's our source on these kind of things, the Pirates will have a comp A pick after the first round. So the Pirates, if they would design, in particular, these two guys, one of these two guys, they would lose their second round pick. Okay? Um, We're not even going to entertain what happens if you sign the second one because (laughs) we're going to be lucky enough if they sign one of them. So let's talk about those two guys first. Gray will be 34. If he accepts a one-year deal, which is the qualifying offer is 20, $20.5 million, I think is what they're saying. Um, if he accepts a one-year deal and he doesn't repeat what he just did, um, he's likely setting the rest of his career up for one-year deals maybe. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> At that point. Yeah. Um, if he's really good again, like what are you going to get? Uh, maybe still get like a two- to three-year deal instead of a three- to four I guess it's still available, but there is a risk involved there. I feel like Gray is probably a guy that would take less AAV in order to guarantee more money, right? So you could see yeah. him signing maybe four years front-loaded, something like that, 24, 22, 18, 16, something like that, 34, 5, 6, and 7, something somewhere around that. I could see him doing something like that. Do you do, you do that? Do you, you know, is that, let's... Just in general, without going deep into it, and we'll and we'll keep moving here. But do you do that kind of a deal for a guy thirty four, five, six, and seven? The way that Sonny Gray is right now, is that something that you're interested in? And giving up a third round pick, which we'll talk more about that later. Sure, and, and you know, and so where I'm at on on Sonny Gray is is he's he's not your. I like Sonny Gray a lot, um, but I would I don't know that I would give up a lot to get him, just because like. He's not a big guy. Okay. And sometimes the bigger guys don't age as well. Um, the bigger guys don't age as well, or do you mean the littler guys? The littler guys don't age as well. As far as being being able to throw the ball hard, you, you know, which could turn around and be like a Zach Grinky as well. Zach Grinky throws the ball; he can barely break a pane of glass, but he was effective. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So he is a pitcher. Than he more than he's a thrower, mm-hmm. so I may have just talked myself into saying yes. Maybe I would be willing to sign a guy like Sonny Gray. I mean, I feel like he's only struggled in New York. Yeah, the fact that he was he was good in Oakland. He he did well in Cincinnati to kind of bounce back from what happened in New York, and then now here in Minnesota, three hundred eight and two seventy nine in the last two uh, in the last two years. Like he's been really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just feel like he's found whatever's working. Dude has, uh, in Oakland in five years, he had a 342 ERA, went to New York for two years, 451. Cincinnati, 349. And in Minnesota in the last two years, a combined 290 ERA. Like, yeah, heck yeah, I'm going there. He's obviously figured something out, and he's done that at age 32 and 33. So it's mm-hmm. not like he did that at like, 29 and 30 or 30 and 31 and then you're wondering if there's a decline i feel like he's in a good spot to like to go now you know what i'm saying and 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 to be that so man i yeah i don't know i 
It's like I said, I talked myself into a circle there. <laughs> yeah. So Aaron Nola will be 31. So, you know, uh, that's a three-year difference, obviously. He'd be better, um, better set to uh, bet on himself. That's a kind of a hard way to say that. Better set to bet. I don't know why I chose that. Anyway, he, he could probably uh, raise his stock. Um, he's only been in one organization, and that's Philadelphia. He loves it there. They're awesome. He could, he could accept twenty and a half million, and then say, "I'll go at thirty-two. I'll go to free agency." You know what I'm saying? Like I could yeah. see him doing that, especially thinking that they're going to be primed to go right back to the World Series next year, or the postseason. I mean, I'm sorry. Um, but man, his stock has been raised. He's been nails. Um, there's a good chance he's going to decline that because of what he's done in the postseason. You're talking about a guy who last year was looking for what? Uh, I think it was eight years, $200 million for an extension. So seven years, $175. He's, I mean, he's still there. <laughs> yeah. And I, at this point, I, I don't know why he doesn't get it as his last contract. Like, where is he going to finish it out? You know what I'm saying? Right. And maybe he gets that right in Philly. Um, without this postseason here, uh, you could make a case that he you could probably get him for five five one twenty. Um, but now you know now I I don't think so now. Um, this was kind of the big signing. Air Nola for me, that was the big one for me. I thought that's the guy I want. Mm-hmm. Um, is it even possible anymore? And would you even touch it? Is it possible? I mean, anything's possible, but in Pittsburgh, <laughs> touche, touche. No, I mean, he's going to be out of your price range, and even if you were to try to do it, then you're just shooting yourself in the foot as an organization yeah. with a small market team. Sure. All right. So moving on to Jordan Montgomery, also thirty-one, um, but. Where his career has been, I think you could have gotten him for around maybe five years, a hundred million prior to the offseason. No qualifying offer attached to it, so you're not going to lose any draft pick. He played for two different teams that negates the qualifying offer. He's not qualified for it um, or eligible for it. Um, however, I read an article stating that Montgomery has pitched himself out of the Cardinals' price range. <laughs> So I'm not sure now how the Pirates can ever play and what will be an intense hot stove bidding on this guy. Um, right. Muted, sorry. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I'm not the only person who would rather have Montgomery than Blake Snell at this point. I wouldn't be surprised to see this thing escalate up around the same range as Nola at this point. I right. keep saying at this point, but... That's because prior to the postseason, I didn't think this. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. But I think even if, and I think it's Aaron Nola that changes the game on all this, right? Because Aaron Nola was not great this this season. And then now, look, if you know you have it in you, I'd bet on that. So Aaron Nola, for me, like, I don't care. When the postseason comes along, I want I want to ride with you. And I think now that Jordan Montgomery's doing what he's doing in the postseason, I think... You could say like, yeah, I'm. I'll risk that because I know when when it gets to this time, he's going to be my guy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. So, same thing though. Same. You basically already answered this question, uh, but this this is a guy that the Yankees are going to be interested in. They drafted him. You know what I'm saying? He was there for a long time. They're going to be interested in him. The Dodgers <laughs> would love would love to be uh, interested in him. I'm sure they will be. Um, yeah. So, no. The question with these kind of three guys would uh, would it be satisfactory at least to say that MLB Trade Rumors has an article saying the Pirates are one of the teams that are inquiring? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think just seeing, hearing slash seeing the Pirates' name attached to some of these guys is going to be a glimmer of of hope like okay they're actually you get outbid that's that's that yeah you get outbid that makes sense yeah so yeah i think there is a little bit of satisfaction and at least seeing or hearing the name 
one step further on that though. Is that an expectation? Are you let down if they don't? With these three, I would be let down if they're not in the involved with uh, one of them. And that's fair. But I wouldn't I, even I think say checking involved, in on all three. But it, I think it, if they if you can get involved in one of the three, at least you checked in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important to show like, yes, we were there, we had a number and they, they went beyond that number. And I think if that's the case, dude, that's lip service, man. You could fake that. Yeah. I think you at least need to fake that. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but like that's, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like we could yeah. say like, well, we had a number, mm -hmm. you know, and they, they quickly got beyond that number and we, we decided to go another route. And uh, to me, that has to happen. If nothing else, Jordan Montgomery, if you're going to say the qualifying offer thing turns us away, we've made the decision not to do that. So we went, we looked into Jordan Montgomery. Like there has to be something. Yeah. You owe it. I mean, you, uh, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to use it. I don't even use those words. We need starting pitching. <laughs> yep. So I, you know, yeah, we got to keep moving here. I know I got so much stuff here that I want to go over and I'm taking a look at this time and I'm seeing where we're at and I, I want to keep going here, but let, let, just for the sake of it, let's keep moving because there are other starting pitching targets. And while I was holding the Pirates to a higher standard for this offseason because I thought that the window was going to begin to open, it's it's showing us that they've, they've escalated this thing to a, a, a higher number, right? Mm -hmm. I think so. Um, Sonny Gray might be the only guy of those that's kind of like if 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 that kind of four year deal thing would be available, then maybe. But you're giving up a second round pick for it, so that needs to be a decision you're willing to make. But there are other guys out there, right? Um, and whether you want them to sign Sonny Gray or one of these other two guys or not, there needs to be another one. And we'll talk right. about our current options here and why that's the case. But um, there's some free agents out there. Starting with Lucas Giolito, Kyle Gibson, Jack Flaherty, Michael Lorenzen, James Paxton, Zach Davies, Vince Velasquez, Dallas Keuchel, Luis Severino. Those are all guys who are kind of out there and you're saying like, hey, how many of these guys? You mentioned a couple weeks ago Jack Flaherty, mm -hmm. which I think is a great call out. I think that's a – if you can go in and get him on there, – there was a lot of uh, deals signed this way last year where it's like it's a two-year deal, but you get an opt-out after the first year. I feel like that's one of those things you go to. Let's do 12 and a half, 13 million to your deal. Maybe not, maybe not Jack Flaherty that high, but, um, but you know, give me like a eight to $10 million range for a guy like Flaherty or Lorenzen, um, something like that. You can opt out after the first season or else you have, I think, uh, Andrew Haney, there was just an article today. He had a vesting option. Basically he could opt out after the first year but it was his call. It was a player option. And if he got to a certain, I think it was like if he got to 150 innings, that player option went to 20 million. And if he stayed under 150 innings, it was at 13 million. He had 147 innings, something like that. So he just missed, right? Yeah. And so now it's at 13 million. And so now he's got a decision to make where if he would have just got to 150 innings, it would have been a no brainer. He'd have stuck around. Right. And so like, there's things like that that you can do, right? You can give them a, a player option and it, and it increases if they do something, right? If they get to a certain number. And if they do, then you're willing to go another year for them. Otherwise, you're still willing to go another year, but it's the it's the it's maybe the same rate at, as this year. You know what I mean? Yeah. So something like that for Jack Flaherty would probably be a really good idea. Try to see what you can get from him. Put him down in the four slot in the rotation and, and let's go. You know what I'm saying? That's assuming that you can get somebody to go to that two spot or one spot, depending on how you feel about any of these guys coming in here with Mitch Keller and all that stuff, right? Yeah. But how about Lucas Giolito? Here's here's my thing with Lucas Giolito, and I think it I think it would be important. And I think it's something that the pirates should consider is getting Giolito and Flaherty. They mm -hmm. played together in high school. They're friends. Didn't know this. Oh, you didn't know about that? I didn't know that. Giolito, Flaherty, and Max Freed on the same in the same high school. Are you serious? 
Yes. They won California state title. Well, no kidding. <laughs> Nobody but else like, got a hit in California. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but bringing those two guys in, you might get the best out of both of them just partly because they're there together. You know, I played with three teams in 2023, the White Sox, where he had 21 starts and a three, 379. Like it was good. Mm-hmm. And that's coming off of a 490 last year where it was kind of like, oh, geez, we, we should have really traded him. But then just not good in six starts with the Angels and the Guardians, um, 689 with the Angels, 704 with the Guardians, just wasn't making it happen. And I, I, I don't know what it's going to take. He obviously lost something there, um, but he was still, he kind of bounced back there with, with the White Sox this year. And it does kind of, I mean, he's had so many, like those three years before that were, were great years. I mean, one of those is a 2020 season, but he's still like the ERA was still low, but the other two seasons over 200 strikeouts, he did have over 200 strikeouts this year too. So I think that Giolito is a guy that there's going to be a lot of teams in. He's like the only guy that's on that fringe. He's Mm -hmm. not one of those top four guys or five guys. If you want to talk about Shohei or, six or seven if you want to talk about the two guys from Japan. You know what I'm saying? So like wherever they land, I don't know. But he's kind of in that in that realm that I think if you're afraid of those other guys, I think you go hard for Giolito. Mm-hmm. And you do like a four or five. How old is he? I got it here. He, he'll be 29. He was This was age 28, so it'll be his age 29 season. I think you go hard for five years. Throw $100 million at him, $20 million a year, like for real, right? Now, you can you can move that around however you want, but then throw an opt-out after three or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe a mutual option to pick up the last two years. Something I just, I, like I, I that. I personally like Giolito. I like Giolito a lot, and I would love to see him in a Pirates uniform. But I, I just think, I think you know, pulling a, a Jack Flaherty as well. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I mean... Obviously, we're talking. We're getting more than we need. More right. Than one. You need to have two of these guys. Mm-hmm. And and I think pairing those two together, I think I think Giolito is my big guy. And then you know, say hey, hey Flaherty, won't you come over here back with Giolito? Yeah, have some sign fun. one Let's of them first and use the other. Use the other one. Right. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And I thought with Sonny Gray, Vanderbilt guy, we've got Delay and Reynolds, Vanderbilt guys. So you could play that too. But we don't need to go. So free agent versus trade, do we actually have guys that we're willing to trade? Do we actually have guys that teams want? <laughs> well, those are two totally different questions. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I think both of those answers are yes. Um, you have to be willing to trade from some of your surplus in order to make the major league club better. Yeah. You just can't. I th- you know, we talked about this beforehand. You, you you just can't touch the top five. Yeah, I think for and let's be clear about it. I, that's not just a rule of thumb, but it is specifically who is in the top five, right? And that's Paul so Skeens, obviously. Mm-hmm. But Termar. for me, it's Termar, Jared Jones, Solomito, and Bubba Chandler. Those are the ones right now that I think. No, we need to make sure we keep these guys. Now, the number six, Thomas Harrington, is no slouch. He's very good. He's been very good. Um, maybe you could part with Solomito or Chandler, uh, but I don't think so. Harrington's 22. The other guys are 21 and 20 right now. So you're, they're a little bit younger. So I guess you could say, like, if you go with the youngest guy, which is Solomito, if you go with the youngest guy, you could probably get yourself into that a little bit more. Then again... Pirates have trouble with left-handers. So, I, you know, unless you're getting a lefty, like, we need to have more left-handed pitchers here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so, anyway, Har- Harrington would be a guy, yes. I think he's going to be very good, but he's a guy that I would probably be willing to part with as kind of the big piece, but also I would throw one of these guys, one of these second basemen, maybe, you know. I mean, you're talking, especially now with Triolo the way he is, um, yeah, I'd get rid of P- Peguero or Gonzalez. Um, I mean, G1 Bay for sure, but uh, that's another story. 
but like I mean, Lon- I, Lonnie I White Jr., those kind of guys, like I look at a guy like Palacios, people are gonna like what they saw from him. I think if you're going, if you if you're making a trade with a team, you know what I said this, so why not say this, right? A guy like Dylan Cease, the the, the White Sox could be in a position to blow it up, and if they are, what if you could go after a guy like Dylan Cease and say, you know, and build a big package, Harrington, Piguero, or or Gonzalez, one of those guys, right? Palacios just to have another because they're going to be, be probably be dealing other guys too. Um, but then, you know, get creative. Maybe there's somebody else. Maybe you go for, you know, another pitcher, you know, another, um, who else did I say, uh, when we were talking about this? Well, Andrew Vaughn would be a guy you'd be getting in the deal, but like Lonnie White Jr., throw him in the package, you know, big time lefty prospect, any of those kind of guys, maybe one of your, um, international guys who are, you know, even further away, but like, really loaded up four or five players. And maybe that's something if they're rebuilding. I mean, Harrington's got to be good enough for him, though. But if you're getting Cease and Andrew Vaughn, I mean, shoot, maybe you do go Bubba or, or, or Solomito. You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe you do go that high. And then keep Harrington and, and hope for the best there. Maybe you throw another arm in there. Or maybe maybe another, you know, I mean, I. it's possible if you can get a guy like that. I don't know that that that's possible. And to be honest with you, I don't even know when Dylan Cease is going to be a free agent. That might change it. But, like, this is an example. I'm not saying go after Dylan Cease. So he won't be a free agent until 2026. So you'd have him for two years. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like two years of Dylan Cease, that's really great. Um, obviously, coming off a down year, they need to do they need to redo things. But just in 2022, he had a 220 ERA. He's going to pitch innings, which is very important for us. He was runner-up in the Cy Young last year. Maybe that's a guy that's available. You know what I'm saying? And then Andrew Vaughn comes in, fixes first base for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's mm-hmm. there's something like that to be said. You could do something like that. You'd be willing to go a little harder on it. Um, but either way, um, th- there is something there. You could trade away, guys, to, to, to go for that. So who's who's in the rotation discussion right now, Jake? I mean, really. We got about five minutes on this. Let's talk about <laughs> who's there now. And I'm going to read some names and you tell me which of these guys are falling in and and where and why we are saying we need two. Mitch Keller, Johan Oviedo, Roanzi Contreras, Luis Ortiz, Osvaldo Beto, Bailey Falter, Andre Jackson, Max Cranick, Quinn Priester. I said him really late. Um, who... <laughs> Who's those guys? If you were to build a, a, a five right there, who are you building? Just out of that right there. Out of that right there. Keller, Oviedo, one and two. Then you, I, I would be, I would be at Ortiz at three, Priester and Roanzi, or Roanzi and Priester. I don't care what order they're in. Yeah. So sure. those are your okay. five. That's probably have to be my five as well. Or maybe if you go six, you could do something with Andre Jackson. I don't know. Quite frankly, I don't care if he makes it through the offseason on the roster. Right. I see value there, but I'm kind of hoping that there's so many upgrades that guys like that are forced out. Sure. So why then? Do you believe that Priester and Ortiz right now are ready to go? Right this second? No. You'd much rather have two different people there. Yeah. And then obviously, I mean... Rowanzi Contreras, he does not have any uh, any options left, so it's him or it's or I don't know, it's bullpen for him. That's where you're at, or you're or you're you're putting him Just in the trade for him. Dylan Cease, <laughs> right? Just to say right. you try to fix him. We're not. If they're rebuilding, you it know, it really I mean? wouldn't it really wouldn't surprise me if he gets traded this offseason. If he's a thrown in player, it also wouldn't surprise me to see him bounce back. No, it wouldn't. he has the stuff. He had a bad year. Mm-hmm. Get some rest. Maybe you know, maybe something works out there. Hit the reset button. But I mean, if we're making moves, we're making moves, and we're making it to make the starting pitching better. We'll probably just be like somebody else can deal with it. Yeah, I mean, the way I look, you're right. And the way I look at it, Andre Jackson, maybe a bullpen guy or gone. 
uh, potential to be like a long man spot starter if he sticks. Um, possibly the same with somebody like Falter. I don't really know. Um, and uh, <laughs> Milo just come running in here <laughs> to get a toy and run back out. And Keeley's outside going, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I wish he would have said something. Anyway, uh, I mean, just think about Beto, Falter, Kranick, Priester in AAA. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, mm-hmm. and Jared Jones is down there too. When you talk about depth and you have those kind of guys in AAA right now, and then AA has, geez, uh, Skeens, Chandler, Solomito, Jackson Wolf, someone else. You know what I'm saying? Like, have you even said Harrington yet? Well, Harrington's was in high A. He might be looking at double A right now. You've got Braxton Ashcraft, who could possibly be in the mix in triple A. He could possibly be there in double A somewhere. Like, there's literally good pitchers. You got Burroughs and Brubaker coming back from injuries. All of these things create depth. But the only way that that depth feels that good is if, if those guys are not in Pittsburgh. Right, And you've got, and like I said, even with a guy like Flaherty, if he pitches half the year and it's not working out, you move on and your depth comes into play. If any of these guys get injured, the depth comes into play. Without doing that, you're not, you're going out and you're signing some of these guys on minor league deals to build depth. And it's like, gosh, that's not what we had in mind. Right. And I just want to say like, that's, I expect to be better. All right. So. Let's move into this now because there's more to this. There's more to this. We're still but rolling wait, here. There's more. But wait, there's more. We just got Katie to buy. There is so much. Uh, there, there's so much going on right now with pitching that it it's it's kind of a hold the phone moment for, for what you're thinking about the Pirates and what they need to do and what echelon you want them to play in. So much has been said lately about the crazy amount of Tommy John surgery that are occurring ever since COVID. Is it COVID? Is it the pitch clock? What is it? You know what I'm saying? Like, what's going Mm -hmm. on here? Is it just the fact that these guys are going and pumping 100 and reshaping pitches and doing max effort in December? You know what I'm saying? I heard somebody say recently, there's no feel anymore. They're not feeling the ball. They're just going out and doing it. And, you know, your your max effort, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I just want yeah. to work out in the offseason, get a feel for a new pitch. No, no, no. It's literally like you don't get a feel, you get data. And let's right. see if it's got the right RPMs and, and, and movement. Oh, mm-hmm. that's going horizontal. I'd really like that to do more vertical. Okay, let's work on that. And it doesn't matter what it feels like. You know what I'm saying? And maybe that has something to do with it. That's um, a valid point. So are we sure... And this is the question that we're going to invest. We're going to uh, we're going to go down this path now. Are we sure that we even want to invest in starting pitching? And which sounds crazy, right? But hear me out. And I'm not saying, by the way, I'm not saying we shouldn't. Let's clarify up front. <laughs> this is just this is an exercise to see what we're doing and and does it change how far you go in certain areas. We've already talked about the injuries. That was all I needed to say. And we're all like, dang, yeah, you're right. And other people have been talking about it as well. If this postseason has taught us anything, it is either stick to your narrative or you can talk about the other half of the truth, which is call it how you see it. There's a narrative out there saying starting pitching wins in the postseason, right? So if that's your narrative, then roll with it. That's fine. Here's what I see. Going into tonight, going or Sunday night, let me clarify, Sunday night. Starting pitchers are 22 and 25 with a 439 ERA in 291. It says 0.3, so and a third innings pitched. 1.328 whip. Not great. <laughs> not terrible, <laughs> but not great. Right. 9.2 hits per nine innings. And the walks and strikeouts look pretty good. 1.7, 9.1 per nine. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. But the hits aren't. And obviously the home runs. But you're talking 47 decisions in 62 games, which actually got better 
because Saturday Wheeler and Gallon both got a decision. You know what I mean? So and 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 a lot of these numbers that I can that I can tell you, like those numbers that I just read off, got better Saturday night. It was worse than that when I started looking this stuff up. Let's talk a wild card series. Marlin went Marlins went into the postseason postseason blah, 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 without last year's Cy Young winner who had a down year and was hurt. And their only pitcher with 200 strikeouts, which was Jesus Lazardo, couldn't even throw five innings and got hit for three runs in four innings. Their number three, Braxton Garrett, gives up two runs in three innings and they move on. Yuri Perez didn't even get a chance to pitch. The Phillies obviously getting great pitching from Wheeler, Nola, and Suarez. They sweep the series. Arizona sweeps the Brewers. Zach Gallon pitched great in one game. And game one is how I meant to say that. <laughs> Brandon Fott couldn't get out of the third inning, but has been better since. Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta combined for nine innings pitched and eight earned runs. And those guys each in the regular season had 200 strikeouts and sub four ERAs. Oh, but they stunk. Okay. Okay. The Twins got great pitching from Sonny Gray and Pablo Sanchez swept the series. Pablo Lopez. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Excelente. Excelente. Uh, <laughs> um, the Blue Jays got seven total innings pitched between Barrios and Gosman. Granted, Barrios, Barrios was taken out too early, um, and we know that, but that's part of it. He, they took him out after three innings and only one earned run. Three innings they allowed their great pitcher, who's facing this old team, they only let him go three innings. Great investment, by the way. Great investment. That counts. That counts. That's part of the whole thing. <laughs> Gossman went four innings, gave up three runs, only four innings. And he had a 316 ERA in the regular season with 237 strikeouts. Him and Brios over 30 starts. Brios had a 365, by the way. Rangers, Montgomery, Evalde, Dillon, obviously so good. 3.30, in the regular season for those two guys. Tampa Bay got five innings from Glasnow and Zach Eflin each. They gave up three and five runs, respectively. 3.50 and 3.53 ERAs in, in the regular season. Good pitchers. Gallon, uh, five, five and a third, two runs. Merrill Kelly, this is division series. Merrill Kelly, six and a third, scoreless. And Brandon Fott made it to 4.1 innings, scoreless. Probably taken out a little bit early, but also... Maybe just them saying like, hey, let's not leave him in too long. He had a five-something ERA this year, right? Yeah. And he's a rookie. I mean, so is Gallon, but he's nasty. Um, but it's just like, okay, so that's good, but they swept. The Dodgers, Kershaw got one out and gave up six runs. Lance Lynn couldn't get out of the third inning. Bobby Miller didn't get out of the second inning. Oh, and Kershaw's worth $20 million and Lance Lynn worth 18 and a half. Invest in your pitching so that they can pitch a total of three innings. All right, we've gone over the Phillies. How about the Braves? Spencer Strider started two games, seven innings, two runs, eight strikeouts, outmatched by Suarez, then five and two-thirds, three runs, seven, and lost to Suarez again. So you have a guy who's like, oh, that's pretty good. And this is one that you could say, yeah, but starting pitcher for Suarez was better. Yeah, but in the regular season... Strider was way better than Suarez. Yeah. I'm getting somewhere here. Bryce Elder got rocked. Max Freed, four innings is all you got. He had a 255 ERA in the regular season. He pitched four innings. Um, Bailey Ober gave up six runs in four and a third. He had a 343 in the regular season for the Twins when he pitched. Joe Ryan was used as an opener, giving up a run in two innings. He did start 29 games, albeit with a 451, but he started 29 games for him this year. And they just used him for two innings. Astros got, got good starts from Javier and Verlander. Uh, Jose Urquidy, who went five and two-thirds, giving up two runs, so whatever. But, like, Astros are kind of getting some good outings from guys who had higher ERAs. 456 for, uh, for Javier. 529 for Urquidy. 322 for Verlander, something like that. One of those, one of those things are right. But Framber, who had a 345 this season, gave up five runs in four and a third. Okay. I mean, I, I could keep going here, man. There's a lot of them. Dean Kramer, 32 starts, 412 ERA for the Orioles. Only lasted an inning and two thirds and gave up six runs. 
Grayson Rodriguez, 435, but he's a good pitcher. Everybody liked what they saw in the second half there. Five earned runs and one and two-thirds. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're, you're talking mm-hmm. a lot of guys who were actually good pitchers. Championship Series, Zach Gallen giving up nine runs in 11 innings so far after even being lights out in the ones before that. Kelly's been bad. Verlander, four runs in the second game he pitched. Urquidy and Framber struggled. Scherzer, five runs in four innings. So I think I think I'm going to cut you off a little. No, bit. No, I want you to I, right now because I'm going to keep mean, going if you don't. <laughs> right, and I think what we're what we're seeing the trend in. First off, the narrative that starting pitching pitching wins championships. I've always left starting out of it. I always say pitching mm. wins championships. Okay, um, but just the. A lot of the guys you named mm-hmm. are one of two things. Granted, there's always exceptions to these, but young and old. You got some of the older guys that are struggling, end of the season, worn down, they're running out of gas. Some of the younger guys, what is all of this? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you and then you got and then you got the guys who are like ho hum through the regular season. And they're like, playoffs, baby. Let's go. We've been here. We've done this. Jose Urquidy. I've been in the postseason. I get what it's about. I go through the regular season. We get into the playoffs. Not to say he's not trying during the regular season. Right. But he get, he's able to lock it in when yeah, he I mean, gets to the postseason. So case in so, point, I'll let you keep going. Case in point, mm-hmm. Aaron Nola, 446 ERA this year. Locked it in in the playoffs. He's been there. He's done this. He, he, he finds that. And he goes there. Um, so I think when we when we ask the question, why invest in pitching or should we invest? You should invest in the right pitching. It's 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 some of these guys we haven't, I say we, baseball hasn't invested in yet. Some of these young guys, not invested in him yet. But yeah. Is he, is he going to be one of my guys going for a while? Yes. Do I think he, he's going to be a guy I'm going to invest in? Yes. The question is, though, so if starting pitching is as much of a crapshoot as anything else in baseball, which is what is not what people say, right? They don't say that. They say starting pitching wins, period. I mean, we all know Clayton Kershaw is one of the greatest left-handed pitchers to ever play. Mm-hmm. And his postseason is up and down. There's been more good mm-hmm. than bad, but the bad ones you never forget because they're really right. bad, like the one this year. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of mileage on Clayton Kershaw. I get that. <laughs> but like even Zach Allen, yeah. who's young, 200 innings, 220 strikeouts this year, 347, and it's been a mixed bag. And then you mm-hmm. get a guy like Brandon Fott, who had one bad game, 572 ERA. This is another young guy who just shows up. You know what I mean? But the, the, there's just guys who struggle in the regular season. They're guys that can grind and get you good, have a good season. And then you get to the postseason, what are you? Guys like Aaron Nola, who no matter what happens during the regular season, I got you. I'm, I'm a, I got that dog in me, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, like, there are guys like that. But sometimes you don't know who those guys are. And even if you do, Justin Verlander, who's obviously at the age thing, but if you're investing in some of these guys, you might be talking about at a later age. I mean, mm-hmm. we just talked about that with Sonny Gray. Like, how often do you do that? You know what I mean? Or how how long do you do that, rather? And so it, it's just kind of the thing. Like, Nathan is a good example, too. He's been great. He's mm-hmm. never been a, an amazing regular season pitcher, but he's always stepped up big as far as what our memories think. Like, you know, that game that he came in and just went forever. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was incredible. And it's just like, the question isn't whether we've already invested in the players who are out there right now, but the question is, if it is so wishy-washy, are you a little bit afraid of saying, let's put all our chips in starting pitching? Let's go out and spend $175 million that we don't have, and you're talking about the Pirates, and saying, let's get this guy, and it has to work. If it doesn't, we're not going to be good. You know what I'm saying? Right. 
And so that's one of the questions. Or as we move on to this and maybe set up things for next week, or do you go after some of those guys who could come in and be good and hope that they show up when it counts and depend on guys like Mitch Keller and, and Oviedo to even take another step or whatever and invest your money into the offense and say, well, if we can't, because here's the other thing. If these starting pitchers can get you four innings, I mean, most of these guys are. You're winning in the postseason. This goes what you said about pitching, not necessarily starting pitching. If you've got a good bullpen and you can throw these guys for three or four innings and then another guy for two or three innings and then get to your bullpen, like maybe you are set up for the postseason if your offense is there. So then do you change that money that you think and no matter what has to go to starting pitching and say, no, 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 let's invest in this offense, starting with first base and another outfielder. You know what I'm saying? Maybe starting, mm-hmm. maybe you go get a you get a second baseman, depending on who's out there and who's available, and then and then deal from your second base surplus. Right? Maybe there's something there that you do. But that's the next question, right? That's the question of if we can't play here, we still have to play on the offensive side. We've got to yeah. go out in free agency or trades, bring in you even in trades, you can bring in salary. You know what I mean? A guy with more salary. Mm-hmm. But you got guys out there. You know what I mean? And, and I don't want to I don't want to name any names just because next week we're going to talk about that. We're going to go down that path of the hitters that we could sign. And we'll do both scenarios since we had this conversation this week. We'll do a scenario where you say, okay, assuming we went out and got starting pitching, what what are our options? Assuming we couldn't get starting pitching, what are our options and how much more are we willing to do? And then also, which one's your priority? Because sometimes it's a test of time. Guys might be gone by the time you make that call. Yeah. But it's interesting, man. It's really interesting. And I, the, the one thing that I think you and I both are kind of frustrated with and we wanted to bring up is uh, I don't want to just name a bunch of names that are, uh, that are uh, doable for the Pirates. This mm-hmm. is a different year. They're supposed to compete. I expect them to act like it. And I think one of those things is if you miss out on guys, that's one thing. But you better be involved. Right. You better be talking. You better have a number in mind for all three of those pitchers. Hey, I don't want to lose that second round pick, so maybe I won't go quite as far with Sonny Gray if he eclipses this. But for Jordan Montgomery, I'll go about $30 million more. Or I'll go about two years more because I don't have to lose a pick and he's younger. And so like if you if you have a number and they and they blow it up and you're out, that's one thing. But tell me that you were involved and that you were talking to him. Right. Get on the phone with their agent. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the thing. I expect that to happen, not because I expect them to sign them, but because I want you putting forth the effort. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. And who knows? Maybe there is a point where you decide and uh, you know, the front office decides that it's worth the money in in this place or another depending on the way that they're evaluating players. So, it's time to win. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or or is it not? Because settling for lesser players um it's not what I expected going into year 5 Sherrington, of a rebuild. Sherrington will let us know if it's time to win or not. Yeah, no matter what he says. Right. What he does and what he tries to do, even if he comes up short, like I said, if there are right, bigger right. markets that outprice him, that's fine. One thing I don't want to do is I don't want to overpay for somebody. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like we can't afford to overpay. I do. I do. I do believe that, mm-hmm. especially if it doesn't go well. And that's why there's a lot of risk. Guys, leave us comments on the YouTube uh, messages on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those things. Let us know who your starting pitcher is. Let us know the path you want to go down, uh, maybe with investing in starting pitching versus position players, and then let us know position players that you want, and maybe we'll read a couple on next week's show so we can uh, so we can dive into that next week and talk about maybe what we what we think first base is going to look like, and then any of the other positions that we may get into in our conversation or in our prep this week where we think uh, we might move into, but specifically first base, right? I mean, we know that's a need. Yeah. So. Um, you got anything else in closing, Jake? 
Oh man, I think we've covered everything for today. Who you got? Still, who you got going to the World Series? The same. I think we both had Phillies, and then you had yeah. Astros, and I had Rangers. You feel pretty good right now. You're in good shape. Yeah, but I, st- I still like to see. I'd like to see the Rangers get there. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think I even said that. I think I, I was rooting for the Rangers, yeah. but I think the Astros will go. <sighs> yep, that's fair. Well, good talk, man. That's all we have for this week. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening, uh, for sharing our love for baseball and the Pirates. It's the real ones left, Jake. It's the real ones. Everybody else is tuning out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's hoping this offseason is very exciting for us this year and not a letdown. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go, Bucks. Let's go, Bucks. Thanks for listening to my dad and Uncle Jake on the Bridge to Bucktober podcast. Follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Bridge the Number Two Bucktober. Don't forget to subscribe so you know when new episodes are released. Clear the deck, cannonball coming, and let's go, Bucks!